for me, the expression I like to use is being a cog in the wheel. So being a person that helps the whole process move forward. And being on tour, for me, I kind of view what I do as protecting the show and protecting not only the cast performance, but the crew performance. I absolutely love working with people and I absolutely love finding ways, creative or practical, that help people be able to do their job. In a work sense, you take care of them so they can do their jobs, but you also take care of them because they're humans. Like, you want to take care of them because they are your family. Welcome to the Theatre Art Life podcast and hello. We're putting the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the globe, the culture creators and the backstage masters. My name is Anna Robb. And my name is Anna Aguilera. On this episode, we'll be talking to Shelley Cohen and David Haynes about company management. Shelley is a touring company manager in the US, Canada and China with over 10 years of experience in regional theater, summer stock and touring live family entertainment industry. David has company managed regionally and on Broadway national tours. Most recently, the band's visit. Hello, guys. Welcome. Hi. Hello. Thank you for joining us from your relevant uh, corners of your house (laughs) (laughs) with good audio. I like the backgrounds. (laughs) So I'd like to hear from you guys uh, the very, very basics. Tell us from your perspective, because we know it's a very difficult question to probably answer a little bit like stage management. What is a company manager and what do you do? So as a company manager, um, we basically run the business aspects of the show, whether it's regional theater touring, anything pertaining to the business operations of the show, we run it, whether it's on behalf of, in David's case, it'd be the producers. In my case, I work for uh, an in-house company. So we we run it in terms of running it as an in-house promoter team. So we're running the logistical and administrative operations of, of the unit, uh, handling financials, handling personnel, ground transportation, housing, anything that's involved with the organization running of the show itself and the people on it. And I think to add to that, Shelly and I are two of the only people that travel with a national tour that don't work on the physical production itself. We're the people sitting in an office doing that book work and make sure all the logistics are worked out for the production as it moves across the country. Interesting. And and how did either of you get into this role? Did you sort of grow up dreaming of being a company manager? Did you know that role <laughs> even existed? Because I probably didn't when I was a child. How did you find this career? I was definitely a community theatre child and I grew up acting and singing and dancing uh, and I went to college for it and then kind of quickly realised that I, I loved that community, but I wasn't necessarily interested in being on stage. So I started researching and I discovered a blog uh, about uh, producing. Ken Davenport is a producer in New York, and he had a blog about his life in New York and also talked about how he previously was a company manager. So I looked into that and kind of went, oh, I, I've, I like this job description. I think this is what I want to do. And then post-college, uh, did some internships and sort of worked my way up through the industry. For me, I started, uh, originally I started in film. I was doing film development, um, reading scripts, doing coverage, learning the inner workings of the film and entertainment industry. And from there, I started working as a stage manager. I had I had an inspiration to want to learn more about live theater. So I began as a stage manager working in summer stock, opera, and regional theater. 
And I remember I was accepted to an internship right out of college at the Shakespeare Theater in DC in company management. And I didn't know too much about it, but everyone that I had spoken to uh, in, in the summer stock I was at was like, you'd be great at this. You should try it. And not knowing anything about it. And I said, oh, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I went and worked there for one year and I absolutely loved it. And while I'll say that regional theater is much different than, than touring, the skills I learned, like they're invaluable. So just learning the role as, as it is, because underlying you're, you're a very supportive position. And that's something I, I absolutely love about the job. And from there, I did a second year in production management. So I had a well-rounded experience with production, stage management, and company management. But the dream was always to go on the tour. Like I wanted to take shows around the world. So it was great. From there, I went and, and started touring. And I've been doing that for the past six years. But it's such an amazing experience. I think once you kind of find your passion, it, you know, you have to kind of figure that out yourself. But once you find what it is that, that works, there's, there's always a role in theater for, for somebody. You just have to kind of figure out what it is and, and, and learn more. And you'll, you'll find it. Agreed. You both mentioned uh, the internships being kind of key during your career or deciding whether you wanted to do it or not. What do you have to say about internships in general? I mean, the internship is definitely key to learning the job and furthering the career because there's no way that you can step into this role without experience previously and be successful. I kind of think first and foremost, you have to be a lover of live performance and theater. And then you kind of transition that to focus on business and logistic aspects within theater. For me, so I, I graduated college and went straight into an internship at the Gateway Playhouse where uh, you're thrown into Summerstock, which is like we did like seven or eight productions in a period of like two and a half months where every four weeks you're turning over a cast or every two weeks sometimes. So you're really just thrown into the thick of it and you're learning names you're learning lingo it is the most comparable uh atmosphere to touring that you can get in being in a stationary place so for me that was really key to like furthering my career is that you're learning how to deal with just pressure and a sheer amount of time constraint and everything and i think for like for internships that i did especially living in dc it i still carry this this mindset but it's really a time where you I mean you should never be afraid to ask questions but when you're an intern you can just you can go around and ask a bunch of questions because it, that's the whole purpose of why you're there you're there to learn and I think for me something that I really kept was the worst that someone can say is no so if I uh, when I was the production management intern I said I want to learn how to do visas so I asked can I can I learn from you how to do them they made it better they just said okay you're gonna do the next one and they just let me do it. Or when I was working at Shakespeare, we had a lot of gala events or special events that had guests. And I said, I went to the development team, which I didn't technically work for, but I loved working on their shows. And I said, hey, I'm an extra pair of hands. Can I come help you? And they said, great, you're going to be the handler for the Supreme Court justices that are coming. And I got to work with like Justice Ginsburg and Justice Alito. Mostly they're, they're, they're police, the Supreme Court police, but it's because I asked. And even if I wasn't an intern, like the fact that you take that initiative, I think that's really important. If you get the chance to be an intern is take the initiative and ask the questions and say, how can I help you? What can I learn? Because any, I always say every opportunity is a learning experience. So it doesn't matter how small it might seem, it could be the next job for you, or it could be the next thing that you learn that you have passion in. So I think that's, 
any any opportunity you can get if it's paid or not paid ho- hopefully paid we, we love that but um any opportunity you can get to learn is something that will help you in your career regardless of what it is i think one thing i would add to that too is that within company management it's not a career that you're going to see a lot of job postings for the internships really are the first line of finding that new entry into the workforce. So a lot of companies hire from within and a lot of companies will reach out to their competitors and ask who has done your internship program recently and would like to be an assistant. Um, that really is how you infiltrate into the industry is starting that, at that internship level. Yeah. It's about who you also about who you know. So like, like David said, not having the job postings, it's your reputation that kind of helps get open those doors for you the way i got into tour was not through uh, it's not job posting that i saw it's a job posting somebody else saw that i actually had never worked with before but knew of me and was able to connect with me and said hey i saw this would you be interested so it's you want to never burn those bridges you want to make sure you maintain those relationships it's about visibility right like who's going to hire somebody off a piece of paper when they've worked with somebody already before on a, on a show or in a, in a production and they can be trusted and and that's how you know it's just such a close-knit community in that way and it's a good way that you've got to do the work to get in there and get in their faces right totally mm-hmm. when you're a company manager and it's really interesting to hear your perspectives about interns because I don't necessarily think that's probably the case in every part of the world you know I think there's a nice pathway for people in America to enter into those roles not really I've never really seen that in Australia um, or in this part of the world it's 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 kind of a different setup but it's a good it's a good thing for the states tell us about when you're doing um, a tour as a company manager as opposed to a resident show I'm sure there's a lot more factors to deal with as a company manager on tour than you are sitting in a one spot technically is it harder like and what is the what are the differences between a sit-down show and something that moves yeah, I mean, for the resident production, so in New York, I was a general management intern for some uh, general management company that works on Broadway. Uh, so I can speak lightly to it. I've never actually worked on a resident production personally, but in my understanding of it, you're really much more focused on single ticket sales as a company. You're very much more dependent on tourists and being part of the industry in New York. And it's just a different set of ways to run a business. You're dealing with the theater owner versus a presenter. Your business expenses are probably much higher in New York. So that's why you're trying to push single ticket sales. You're not as focused on subscriptions and groups of people coming to the show. I think that's the biggest thing. And then tour, you're talking about adding logistics into that. Travel for company members uh, and you're working on booking hotels and making sure that each presenter has, you have like a, a, we call it an FEK, but it's basically an agreement between the producer and the presenter as to like what the guidelines are for each sit down on the engagement so that they don't have that on Broadway. You're just kind of running each week making money. But when you're on tour, you're figuring out how that money split up a little bit more closely. Shelly, do you want to add to that? And you also, like David was saying, you're adding the logistic component. So Depending on the type of tour, it could be a, a little different, but, you know, you, you're arranging the, the transportation, housing, uh, catering, and, you know, whenever there's catering involved, you're working with the venue or a local caterer to take care of that. 
Um, for me, for example, I, I run the venue logistics and I'm the contact for all front of house security, box office and financial departments. So I settle all the shows. And you're also a big thing that I always say with, with touring is you're in a different city, whether it's every day or twice a week or maybe every other week, whatever it might be. So you have to know how to get resources because you don't have your corporate office down the street. You don't have, you know, they could be across the, the, the country or even across the world, possibly. So you, you create a family unit with your tour. And I think something really big that's important for company managers is that they, they need to be open and truthful communicators with, with their units and effective in how they communicate, but also be empathetic. They should have an understanding. You know, I'm not a head carpenter. I'm not a head electrician, but I have enough of an understanding of their jobs that if they come to me or say, hey, this venue next week because they played there before or, hey, today, this is a challenge that I'm having. I have enough understanding of their jobs to say, okay, how can we make that better for the next venue? Because you have to adapt versus a sit down show where you might have an issue, but it's, it can be either contained or it's very unique to the, to being able to figure that out. And you're in one spot. So you can kind of troubleshoot. We might have an hour to troubleshoot it. And then for the next venue, which is an arena again, okay, how do we make it better for that venue? So we're not having the same problem. Or if we know it's a, con- a consistent issue, how can we address it so that every theater we don't have to deal with X? So I think that's that's super important is to ve- develop that relationship with your unit so that you're able to kind of troubleshoot, whether it's cast, crew, retail team, whoever it is, kind of figuring that out because your world is constantly changing. So you have to kind of adapt to wherever you're playing and the city that you're in. On the road, your company members definitely have more of a dependency on you (laughs) because you have so much more of an effect on their daily lives because life doesn't stop outside of touring. It feels like it does. Like you feel like you put stuff on hold um, back home, but that doesn't mean that you still don't have to go to the doctor. So if you're on a show that someone's belting eight times a week and they need to go see a doctor... They may not be in that same mindset that they would be in New York where it's like, oh, I need to Google where I can go see a doctor. They're like, David, do you know the best ENT in Dallas? I'm like, well, I don't, but let's talk to some local contacts. Let's figure it out so that we can help you make sure that you're prepared with everything that you need to do the show. We're a little bit more of tour parents in that way sometimes which is how it should be. I was just thinking that, you know, like mom and dad, you know, both of you, they're Truly. talking about it, taking care of the people. And <laughs> and it's it's real. But those practical things on a day-to-day, it's amazing. Yeah. And you have to have a passion for that. If you come in, like, not wanting to work with people, this is not the right job. You want, <laughs> you want to find, you know, and there's challenging days. Like, I do a lot of split weeks, and it makes it so managers and the crew and retail teams don't get a full 24-hour period off in a week if you do continuous split weeks. So I think another big thing is also you're, you know, if you're working on a sit down show, you're all going home more than likely to your individual residence. And you have that like separation. We all go home and we see each other again. So it's, you know, we're all still, we're always together. So on your off days, you kind of figure out if you need some me time, if you want to hang out, whatever it might be. But also a big thing for company managers is when you're sensing that your team is starting to get tired or you're starting to see more people are getting sick because they just haven't had that time off you try to build those morale building whatever it might be if you want to do a potluck if you want to do if you're able to arrange a ticket trade to do something fun for your group if you're in a city that has something that the group would love you you want to look out for your team both on a like in a work sense you take care of them so they can do their jobs but you also take care of them because they're humans like you want to take care of them because they are your family 
and you you try to find those fun things for them because it makes it so that they have something to look forward to and they you know they're able to do their jobs and are healthy and physically and mentally they're just able to to come to work and know that you care about them not as as an actor you care about them as a person so how does that work in china so last year i i was able to to take two different shows to china for seven months um i just came back this past january and i think working in china was one of the proudest moments of my career but one of the hardest things i've ever had to do um i think the one of the most important things is you you have to understand and have a, a value in respecting culture that is different than yours. I think that is extremely important to be able to walk into the situation and know that the culture is different and and also maintain a quality of life for your team. I think that's that's very very important for them. So whether that's a well-balanced catering um that covers all the dietary and allergies that you have, making sure your team's taken care of, um celebrating holidays in a country that maybe doesn't celebrate the same holidays and and finding unique ways to make that happen. Um or something even as um like your transportation and housing making sure that it's appropriate safe and contractually applicable knowing that like what is promised to you is is what you're receiving so you want to be respectful you want to maintain that that understanding of the culture but you want to make sure that quality of life doesn't doesn't go down the drain because of x y and z you want to make sure that it's up to up to par of what was promised to your group um equally as important i think when you're working internationally you have to know how to handle situations diplomatically calmly and proactively. So situations are going to happen that are surprise. You can't just call your office and say, "Hey, I need you to overnight X." It's not going to happen. Um you you have to figure out how can I locally source this? What can I do? Um I think in China the two biggest things that we were trying to figure out is is that rules constantly changed. Um you would do a walk through, you would do an advance, whatever it might be. And I think one of the ones I can think of is when you'd walk in the door. So we played one venue. We walked in the door. We knew everything about the venue. We had actually played it in the first tour, so we, it was a repeat venue for us. And all of a sudden, we walked in and they said, um, "We just painted the stage, so no cases are allowed on stage anymore. Not a single wheel could touch the stage. So you just have three containers that you're unloading, and it has rigging gear. It has your hampers that have all the drops, and none of them could touch the stage." So, and you had five minutes until they were unloading the trucks. So, what do you do? So, in situations like that, you can't go around and just start screaming at people. It's not going to happen. I like that's a you know a big thing for me is you never never scream, never get angry. You talk to your crew and you figure out a game plan and you figure out a compromise uh, and you talk to your promoter team and work through that. Um, and I think another challenge with China is that you also have, for my situation, you have multiple parties involved. So, whereas my co- co- uh, company has a contract with a promoter that promoter may have a contract with the local promoter for that city and that local promoter may have a contract with the venue what that contract says with the venue may be completely opposite of what i need and what was promised to me but to jump through three different lines of communication is extremely challenging so it could be something as small as the number of dressing rooms you know i normally need five dressing rooms but maybe a contract i had one venue where the contract they would only give us four They had 30. They just only gave us four and they would refu- refuse to unlock the other ones. You make it work. We were there for two days. So like we we figured out a game plan. I think one one of the offices was backstage and we just made it work. Um but something as big as like air conditioning. You play China in the summer, it's very very hot and very humid. It's 100 degrees backstage and if they refuse to turn on the air conditioning, 
there's no, it's a safety issue. There's no way I would, I would let the performers go on stage in a hundred degrees and do a show full out. That's when you, you have to know like when to, and when to put your foot down and say, okay, no, we're not doing this. Like we need to figure out a plan and, and quickly. So I think, I think that's the big thing, but the biggest, the biggest one is making sure that you're doing it calmly, proactively and diplomatically. Not to mention that you just can't Google an ENT, right? Like, no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> First of all, you can't use Google. And secondly, it's not going to be in English. And yeah, so there's all those layers of, of complexity as you, as you walk, walk, go through China, isn't it? It's crazy. <laughs> just want to um, quickly add that 100 degrees Fahrenheit is about 38 Celsius for people out there that don't do Fahrenheit like me. <laughs> me too I, like whenever they say 100 i just know it's hot i used to live in vegas so i'm like yeah that's that's hot <laughs> americans are like what do you mean 38 that's so cold <laughs> exactly <laughs> so what do you do that's what something you said what do you do so problem solving what about problem solving problem solving i think the end goal no matter what you're doing the end goal is to have happy kids that walk in the theater no matter what if you're for my case if you're seeing the show in the United States or in China, you have, you know, three to nine-year-olds walking in who are about to see their heroes on stage. And that's what you have to figure out. So in the case of like the wheels, you know, we, we were able to lay down, it was sort of like a carpet. It's like carpet for offices, like carpet over carpet. If I don't know what the actual term for it is, but they allowed that. So we, we, we made it work. Um, it was luckily that theater was a little bit bigger. If it was uh, smaller, it would have been a challenge, but you kind of say, okay, what can we do? And luckily the theater had some extra carpet and they said, okay, we'll allow you to do that. But the cases just can't touch the actual wood. In every single venue we played, they're very specific about the type of tape that you use. So we have, because we're laying down Marley, we have to use Marley tape for safety reasons. Otherwise the Marley could come up. So you put down the approved tape so it doesn't pull up the paint from the stage, but then you put the Marley tape over it. So it's it was double the amount of work for the props team, but that's just what we had to do. So you, you talk to your promoter they talk to the venue and most times than not, you'll find a solution. If you, if they're very adamant, you kind of make it a decision and, and go move forward from what you have to do. And that's just the role of the game when you're working internationally. How does a role of company manager deal with uh, things like HR and finance? Like what's the link with you guys and, and, and how does that relationship work? On the tours that I've done, we've definitely sort of been just you're the funnel for all of that information. I think Shelly and I have worked with companies that kind of have a similar output and that like HR is a separate. Uh, for Shelly, you said that you worked with, your HR is internal, correct? Yes. And then I work with a company that hires uh, a third party HR firm that does HR, but also does payroll. Um, and so company management is filling out payroll, making sure that everything is paid correctly to unions, but also to the individuals, and then sends that to the HR company. And they're checking that, and our general managers back in the main office are checking it as well. But it really, it's more of just like every other part of company management. Like we're sort of that central part of the unit and filtering that information out. For my case, it's still internal. So we're an in-house operation. So every department, including finance and HR, works within the company. So the way I like to explain it is that I serve as the conduit that receives information from all the departments and I disseminate it to the different tour staff. So in terms of HR, so same thing as David, I complete payroll, 
and send it to them. They they monitor and track um, the union benefits for the IATSE crew. Um, and they also maintain and track any health insurance and deductions that need to happen through there. Mine is simply just recording hours and any kind of changes within the week that, that would affect their pay. For finance, it's the same, the same situation where I'm settling the shows. I'm sending the information to the finance department, whether it's petty cash settlement or anything on that nature. And then they'll respond to me and tell me if, if they have any questions. I, I think the big thing for my situation is that the office lets us handle our units as independently as we can. And, and we have that support that we can reach out to them if there's questions, even if it's something that I've handled internally, if I've handled something with settlement that's unique, or um, an HR situation, if I had a conversation with somebody that's been handled and, and the situation's been resolved, I still give HR a heads up that it happened, so that they're not surprised and that there's a paper, a paper trail. So that if I have to come back to it, they, they're aware of what conversation happened. So I think that's a, a big component is that they want us to handle as much independently as we can, but know that they're there if, if a situation requires us to reach out to them. So I see that you have like an important role on how the family works, so to speak. And um, as an industry, we're not exactly known because of being very diverse, although we could, but we could also be more diverse. So what's your role in fostering equality and inclusion and diversity in the workplace? Looking at where the industry has been as a manager, I want all of my company members to love their job and to feel safe in their work environment. In terms of how we can do better, obviously that looks like we need more diversity in our audiences and more diversity on stage, but also in our backstage staff. I think that's how you, when you have a new generation of theater goers that are of all colors, that's when people are going to be interested in what's going on backstage. Specifically as company managers, uh, it really does start at that internship level. We need to start looking at internships and what we're paying and making sure that we're not counting people out that could be doing that internship, but aren't necessarily maybe maybe able to financially afford to do the internship. So sort of moving away from unpaid internships and making sure that it is a fair payable wage so that it doesn't count anyone out from that internship or providing housing, which is how I was fortunately able to do my first internship. Even though it didn't pay much, I had housing as part of it. I think that's the biggest thing that we can do as an industry to make sure that we really are making differences in what our staff looks like. 100% agree. Yeah. It's a very hot topic for right now in terms of equality and inclusion. And, and it's such a, I mean, we'd have to do a whole podcast on itself, right? Really, if we yeah. were to talk about the the methods of even from a hiring perspective and, you know, historically what shows who the shows are being written by, like even before you of set course. up a company and run it, like going back and back and back. Um, there's a lot of undoing there and it's a very big topic. So it's hard, I think, on the the face value because for you, I think, on a company sense, it's already like 60% along the way of, of, of all those things have been done and cultivated without that equality. So then you're going to be put it on you to, to make that an equal thing. It has to be right across the board from the very moment that you decide to choose a script, right? But I think to add to that, as an industry, we're, there's so much goodwill and you want to set people up for success. And company management is definitely like that. There's so much communication between offices and how to better the industry. And I think 
setting people up for success, you can't just pluck somebody out and put them into this job. So it really does start as the as at the internship level. That's where it starts. That's how you set people up for success with their training. Building their foundations, basically. Yeah, exactly. So the, tell us individually, what what um, what do you like most about your job? For me, the expression I like to use is being a cog in the wheel. So being a person that helps the whole process move forward. I'm passionate about being in a role that creatively and practically supports creative people is the way I like to phrase it. I am not definitely not a singer. Uh, I'm definitely not a director, but I absolutely love working with people and I absolutely love finding ways, creative or practical, that help people be able to do their jobs, especially creatives. I think even if you're a crew member, a retail person, a, a cast member, you have a very creative job in, in finding a way to entertain your audience. Whether it's the retail team, they're the first face that every audience member gets to see. And they're the first, you know, I always remind my retail team, like how important their roles are or the cast members that make those kids on stage because they're seeing their heroes. Being able to be that person behind the scenes that knows I help that person figure out something with their taxes or I'm that person that helped take them to the doctor today or just, you know, we were able to figure out this really big issue this morning and now we have this show and it's happening and being a part of that process, I think is such a rewarding, a rewarding experience and an opportunity to, to have that. And I think that's why I love coming to work every day is just knowing you're making a difference, not only for your own team, but for them to be able to do their job to educate and entertain thousands of people that come see your shows every week. Like Shelly, I, I love knowing everyone that has a piece in the production. Um, when I was a kid doing theater, if I didn't get in one show, I would be on the crew for that same show if I didn't get into the cast. I love knowing every piece and how it's built. And I get to see that from my perspective with my job. And being on tour, for me, I kind of view what I do as protecting the show and protecting not only the cast performance, but the crew performance. Um, and really having a story in, if they have a good day, they're able to tell that story a little bit better. That's a great answer, though. <laughs> what would you, what if you had the opportunity to change something about your job or the industry at large? What would you, what would it be? I mean, I think right now the topic has moved and that we need more people of color in our industry. That really is, and even for the past couple of years, what I thought needed to change because on stage, there is a lot more representation, not enough. But backstage, they're definitely, that dial needs to shift. I've been so lucky that one of my greatest mentors is a Latinx company manager who I learned so much from. And I think Jose Sullivan, look him up. He's great. Um, but he taught me so much about humanity. And I think that's something that I carry through in all the arts aspects of my life. So I think that that's the biggest shift that he's stabbing. Everything that David said, 100%. And I think also... Something that I think is really important is continuing to work through a work-life balance when you're on the road is, is something that also is difficult. When you're on the road, you're never off the clock. You're constantly, your brain is always on. And I think if it's possible to build into the schedule a full 24-hour period off, I know it's not possible every week, but to have that, to have that mindset that you're working with people, they're, you know, they're not machines and, and you know, people get sick and get tired and I think um, what I love about the company I work with is that they're very mindful of that and they know that there needs to be a break you know there need, if there's a series of split weeks there needs to be a full week built in at some point 
to be able to give everyone at least a day off so that their their minds can reset and they can be humans and maybe have to run to the post office to send something home or they need to go to the grocery store and buy something uh, when we're all able to do that again. But I think I think that's something that's really important also is, and I think that's in theater in general, that's not just for our roles, is continuing to develop a sense of what is a work-life balance and knowing when it's okay to turn off your phone and take a nap and take care of your body and take care of yourself, I think is really important for everyone to remember. Echo that 100%. <laughs> it's allowed to be your job. Um, it's artistic and you're allowed to love it and it can consume the best parts of you, but you're also allowed to go home and let that be your work. Um, in the commercial industry, we have that that amazing gift that we're allowed to do that. I also want to say you have to not just take care of your company. You have to also take care of yourself, right? Uh, yes. in, in, in the thing, it, especially company managers, you know, like you said, you're always on the on the verge of helping everybody else, but you got to help yourself. So I hope that you continue to look after yourselves and thank you. It's very nice to meet you guys and thank you for your time. Likewise. Thank, thank you, you for having us. Please write a review on our podcast whenever you listen to our podcast and let your friends know about us. You can learn more about Theatre Art Life by visiting our website at www.theatreartlife.com. And you can follow us on social media and leave your questions or comments on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Twitter, or YouTube. We really want to thank David Zaya for composing the music for our podcast and Michelle Sharotta, who is our sound engineer. We are your hosts, Anna and Anna, and this is the Theatre Art Life podcast, where we put the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the world.